is I like to say that overwhelm is a victim mindset. Welcome to the Be Rad Podcast, where we explore ways to pursue peak performance with passion throughout life without taking ourselves too seriously. I'm Brad Kearns, New York Times bestselling author, former number three world-ranked professional triathlete, and Guinness World Record Masters athlete. I connect with experts in diet, fitness, and personal growth and deliver short breather shows where you get simple, actionable tips to improve your life right away. Let's explore beyond the hype, hacks, shortcuts, and sciency talk to laugh, have fun, and appreciate the journey. It's time to be rad. I'm so excited to introduce you to Paluva. This is a new zero-drop minimalist shoe with the distinctive five-toe design from my main man, Mark Sisson. Paluvas give you the most authentic barefoot style experience, but with sufficient cushioning so you can use them for all manner of daily movement, especially walking and many other fitness and athletic activities. Paluvas are also incredibly stylish, so you get a barefoot shoe that you're not embarrassed to wear around in daily life. It's been so cool to see the popularity of minimalist shoes grow over the recent years, but Paluvas are a step ahead of every other zero-drop wide-box shoe because of the critical feature of individual five-toe articulation, a separate slot for each of your toes. This allows for correct dynamic movement of the foot through the walking or running stride, which is impossible when your toes are encased into a single box, even a wide box. Well, you might know that minimalist shoes have faced controversy in recent years for causing injuries from inappropriate use. So here is the big picture mission. We want to get you walking in paluvas, living in your paluvas, going barefoot in your home or other safe areas as often as possible. Go ahead and use your specialized cushiony running shoes or your basketball shoes, work boots, high heels, things that you want to wear when you want to wear them, but wear your Paluvas as much as possible to reawaken the natural functionality of the human foot to stand, walk, run, and perform. Do you want to try a pair? I'm certain that when you put them on and walk around, you are going to quickly realize that these are the most comfortable, natural shoes that you've ever worn. They are designed to feel like you're, quote, walking barefoot on a putting green please visit paluva.com, that's P-E-L-U-V-A, and use the code BRADPODCAST and get 10% off your first pair. Paluvas, let your feet be feet. Tara Garrison, my old friend, and I can't believe it's taken this long to get you on the podcast because I love your energy and your enthusiasm and your message so much, and you have the greatest Instagram. We're going to talk about your coaching offerings, your retreats, but ladies and gentlemen, here she is. We're ready to hit it hard. Thank you so much, Brad. And everything right back at you. And it's an honor. You know, I remember reading some of your books back in the day, and it's just been cool to meet you and just you're so real and genuine. And I know your listeners love you. So I'm excited to just jump in with you. And I'm really grateful to be here. Thanks for having me. It's all about your gratitude and your uh, living in the present and uh, working through anything that comes up. And I want listeners to become acquainted with your a uh, quite interesting background, especially the challenging parts that would, um, I think, you know, people can relate because it's hard to relate to a, a, a movie star who's just glitz and glamour. Um, but when we see you kicking butt, you, you know, you're at the top of the heap in the fitness world 
and you have everything together and you're kicking butt and you're super fit and you're hosting these amazing retreats and they're life-changing in Hawaii. But maybe we should start with how you <laughs> traveled this journey into the health and fitness and coaching space that you're now on and, and what you had to overcome along the way. Mm. Yeah, I forget about that sometimes. Honestly, now I'm so, I'm in, it's been a lot of work and I'm in such a good place, but yeah, I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah. It was, I went to hell and back a few times to get here. You know, um, the quick summary is grew up very poor, very hard home life, was overweight starting in third grade, grew up in a very dominating religion. I would say basically a cult, just completely bought into that lying and seeker. And I was living that life and thought I was really happy. Uh, got married at 20 years old, uh, four kids, stay at home, mom, all that had a hard time losing weight after my fourth. Uh, I always ran. My mom was a big time runner, kind of a pioneer in women's running, went to the Olympic trials in 1968. And so even though I was chubby, I actually ran for fun, which was really weird back when I was a kid. Um, but that's what we did. There were no gems. So I ended up, um, running marathons and things and then, you know, trying to lose the baby weight after my fourth and it just wasn't working. That was the biggest I'd ever been. I'm five, six and a half. I was about 175 pounds and without muscle. Right. So you can imagine that's just kind of the image of that. And I was running full marathons and just wasn't. Just so you were in, you were in fantastic shape running marathons, mm -hmm. uh, with that physique. Yeah. Yep. Um, let's pause there and how that, how the hell is that possible? And we know how common it is. So it wasn't like you yeah. had some weird metabolism, but, um, yeah, that's, that, that's, I think maybe people don't, uh, fully appreciate how the, the, the big picture is necessary to, to get your <laughs> metabolic health right. And running 26.2 isn't quite an automatic solution. Nope. Because I hadn't changed my nutrition. I wasn't lifting weights, you know, it was just the typical, like, mom runner who's just powering through and making it happen and, you know, eating standard American diet. So, um, I, after that, I kind of went through like some life trauma, which I'll just, I basically in a nutshell say that I was going through some marriage problems that created a lot of, um, untrue stories about my body not being good enough. And so I went into that very toxic, overly obsessed, you know, trauma response type thing with fitness that people get into, you know, and I'm grateful I went on that part of my journey because it helps me relate to those people now. But, um, I picked up weightlifting. And so it was like this weird mixed journey of kind of being in a trauma response, not good enough, you know, that kind of stuff. And also at the same time, like, oh my gosh, this is freaking cool. Like, this is amazing learning about the body yeah. and the biomechanics, like, wow. Like I kind of fell in love. So it was this kind of dual thing happening at the same time. Um, because I was so obsessed, probably from the trauma response part, <laughs> um, I ended up in like a little less than a year and a half going from probably close to 40% body fat, I would guess to 11% and like jacked. So, and Six then, pack. yep. Uh, super lean, you know, and, um, with a cool thing about that, even though, yeah, now I'm not quite that lean. I try not to be that lean. <laughs> um, but the cool thing was my running got really good too, right? Like, so I was stuck. I could, I wanted to qualify for Boston for, I just could. And I kept missing it by nine minutes, almost exactly. After I changed all my nutrition and obviously losing, you know, 40 pounds and completely changing your body composition, you're gonna be a little bit of a different runner. So I knocked half an hour off of my marathon time right after doing that qualified for Boston, ended up running it in ketosis as a little experiment at that time in my journey. Um, but the cool thing was like, for me, 
yeah, I had kind of that trauma. And I always say like, sometimes I feel like our dark times are portals into our purpose. And so, yeah, I went through that dark time, but I, there was also so much beauty. Uh, I changed my nutrition. My brain started working all the way is what it felt like. I became more confident, not just because my body looked different. It was, I knew that my brain was operating at full tilt because I wasn't eating McDonald's anymore. You know, like I was like, something is not, I am different. Wow. Like I felt like I was like fully online for the first time in my life. And so, um, I ended up, I did, I did get divorced, which was a healthy move for me in my life and everything's all good in the hood now, but you know, that was scary. I left that religion. I lost everyone I knew. Started life over for literally everyone, even my family wasn't there. You know, it was a lot, you know, I had to really start over, uh, kind of re-pattern everything. Like I didn't, my whole structure for life was so dominated by that religion that when I got out, I didn't know what I thought about anything. So, I mean, I really started fresh. This was at 32, 33 years old. So, and then I just fell in love with Oh, just fell. I just became so grateful for my body, um, was gratefully wonderfully gifted, um, a lot of healing in my path. Right. So I was able to find that healing and relationship with my body. That's so beautiful. Now it's gratitude. You know, I don't have these expectations on aesthetics and all this stuff, but I'm so grateful for that low that I went through multiple lows, um, because I really found my true self in that path coming out of it. Right. And now it just brings me so much joy to help other people kind of so like lean, lend a hand back. And it's like, dude, if you can get your body online and your mindset into a healthy place and your relationship with yourself and your body into a healthy place, you just start thriving, you know? And so that's kind of the summary of, you know, almost a decade of my life. <laughs> so what you were describing there was this uh, quite dysfunctional and negative motivation that yeah. you were made to feel not good enough by your romantic partner. And that's what got you into the gym and got you determined to drop the excess weight. Well, it wasn't really him. It was my story. But his yeah. some of his actions, yes. So he, but, he contributed to the, yeah, the yeah. dysfunction, but... Um, he didn't mean to. I made up that. You know what I mean? That was never really the case. And I'll tell, you know, for any women or men that are going through some sort of relationship trauma where they feel like they're not good enough, that's not it. <laughs> oh, you're not to, you're not blaming, um, you're not no. blaming outside of yourself. No, no, Even no, they're not, not being, not necessarily being super supportive, but you're owning it is what I'm getting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it just really wasn't true. Like he ended up getting remarried and, you know, she wasn't like super bean pole skinny. She wasn't, you know, she's beautiful, but like that wasn't ever a thing. That wasn't the problem. You know what I mean? I wasn't the problem. Honestly, that was his own stuff that he was dealing with, you know, but I made it my problem because of my people pleasing codependency, all this stuff that I didn't know I had going on. I was like, oh, I'll fix it. And it's like, it wasn't even about me, but I'm grateful that I had this, this, uh, it, when the pain is so deep, it's very common to get almost obsessed with proving that you're not the thing that you fear you are, right? So we see this with success. Somebody's got some wound that, you know, dad says you're never going to amount to nothing and they got to prove that they will amount to everything, you know, or it's very common with the body. I'd say most people have some, they're somewhere on the spectrum of proving that they are good enough through how their body looks. And I've been on such a deep healing journey with that one. Like it's something I love to talk about now because it's, yeah, I don't care. I mean, I do care. I will say, you know, I like to 
do my hair and I wear makeup, you know, it's fun to style myself and be, it's like artistic expression. But in terms of how my body looks, that's not, my relationship is so deep with my body now. I I just actually laid down right before this and I just thanked my body. Like, thank you for so much, like everything that you do, you know, and I give it rest and, and it's like, let's lay down for a second. It's been, you've worked out, you've done <laughs> work today. Like, let me give you 10 minutes to just chill, you know? So it's a really loving relationship that anyone can get to. Just sometimes we need a little introduction to just even that way of thinking, right? Because the world is mm. telling you you're not good enough. The world is, people get on social media and they're like, I want to look like that chick, or I want to look like that guy, or I want to run as fast as him, or I want to be like them, or I want to be as successful as her or him or all this stuff, you know? And- mm there's a path out of that. There's a path out of that. And I found it and I'm really freaking grateful, beyond grateful. So do you ever feel misunderstood at this point? Because you are that aspirational person with the six pack and doing the incredible workouts and uh, physical performance. You know, it's funny. I just had a call with all my clients today and we were talking about um, boundaries around like, well, ownership that we're choosing everything that comes into our arena, right? So I was talking about Stephen Covey's circle of influence, which just means like, yes, there are all these things that come into our life, but owning our reactions, our thoughts, our behaviors, our response to those things, that's all we can really control. And I told him, I was like, you know, social media, (laughs) a friend of mine who does similar work as me on social media, we were talking about this once and we were just like, it was just a no BS conversation. We're like, People are in such victim mindsets around social media. They're choosing to be on there. They're choosing every single account they follow. They're on TikTok. Mm, and then complaining all the way how terrible yeah, it is. that algorithm is based on what mm. you're watching. <laughs> so it's like, it's just a mirror You're and you're choosing it. All you know? I see are these big, rich show-offs driving their Ferraris. Wait, how come that's all I see? <laughs> right. Why is that popping up on your feed? And why didn't you say, I don't like this or unfollow or, you know? <laughs> so it's social media. It's like, if you compare myself, mm. it's like, it is a mirror to show you that you're choosing to do that a lot. Dang. <laughs> but I told my clients, to answer your question, I was like, you know, I was like, maybe that's how some of y'all found me because you were comparing yourself to me, you know? And I'm like, but that's cool. I'm grateful for that. Cause now we're going to get, now you hired me. We're going to get out of that. <laughs> we're not doing that game anymore. You know? So, um, I like to, I guess how I feel about it. And I sit with social media a lot. I do because I spend a lot of time in silence and in presence. Um, and some, I, I felt com- conflicted in the past of like, Am I contributing to pulling people out of prison? You know, am I contributing to that? And and I've sat with it and I've learned a couple of things. One is I only share if it's coming from the goodness of my heart. Two, it's not my job. That's their responsibility of how they manage their time. And three, um, I hope that I can be a light. I hope that like the way I see it is that I kind of meet people where they're at in the ego, you know, it's like my most popular videos will be like how to get bigger side delts or you know yeah. and stuff like that which is like cool it's a very small thing in the grand scheme of things <laughs> um but i meet people with what they want most people come on social media and they just want fitness advice and how to get bigger side delts and how to eat and how to lose weight and, and i give them that and that's important too you know that's fun and that's cool and there's value to share there, but I like to, I like to, uh, once people, you know, work with me, it's like, I'm going to show you a whole nother way. Like this, it's not, this is not about the meal plan and the, 
And the, that that's cool. It's good to to nourish your body and learn how to eat appropriately and to, you know, have a healthy body composition and hit some intensity levels. That's part of it, you know. But that's like scratching the surface on happiness, you know? I mean, that's just like a little extra kind of thing. But I kind of meet them where they're at in the ego. Where they, we pull them into like, this is what health really is, you know, is like, observing yourself and your own patterns and how you relate to yourself and others and, you know, being grateful, looking, getting out in nature, choosing things that bring joy, you know, learning how to have healthy boundaries and stop pointing the finger at others and, and look at yourself and how you're responding to, to life, to others, you know? So, um, that was a huge move for me when I pulled mindset coaching because I just couldn't not into my coaching. Cause I'm not trying to talk about my coaching, but just kind of how I operate. Like, um, Health is really, you know, fitness strategies and eating, those are helpful. They are, they're helpful pieces, but they're small pieces when it comes to truly being healthy and happy. You know, there's so much more to it than that. <laughs> it sounds like you went through the, the very same exercise yourself where yeah. you started to get your diet uh, dialed in. You started to go and lift some weights and uh, dedicate yourself to fitness. Uh, but with this, uh, I'll prove everybody wrong mindset or whatever the the negative things that were that were still getting you to the gym and getting you to make the right choices at meals. But then um, it seems like somewhere um, a lot of people hit that fork in the road where the logistics are in place, they are punching the right uh, buttons, and then the mindset is stuck uh, back in the I'll prove everybody wrong or, or whatever, and they either get a bunch of superficial results and and look great, but uh, you know the happiness isn't there. Or uh, they struggle, and it, it's so common to see the the fallout and the attrition from the the ranks of devoted uh, healthy eating enthusiasts and and fitness aspirants. Mm -hmm. You'll get temporary if 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 your mindset is that once I earn, once I get to this level, then I'll love myself, then I'll be happy. <laughs> and you, and you achieve it because you can't, because the greater the pain is and the greater the desire to prove that you are that, the mm. more likely, you know, you'll get there if it, cause it's like, I have to, right. Some mm. people like, um, it, you'll get temporary, a temporary sense of like, yeah, I'm awesome. Look at me. I did it. You know, you'll get, that'll be temporary, but eventually you get to a point where, um, you realize you're in what I call dangling carrot syndrome <laughs> and your way of being is like happiness is always a little further away from where I am. Mm. Right. And I used to be that. I used to be so deeply entrenched in that of like, I'll never be satisfied. Like I always, I called it growth, you know, Oh, I'm just growing. I'm just, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're socialized to be that way. Yeah. Uh, and we, we romanticize uh, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and how, after they won game seven and Tom Brady uh, was, you know, glamorized that uh, on the plane flight home, he was texting his trainer about uh, the Wednesday morning workout at the training facility after winning Super Bowl Sunday. And it's like, wow, that guy is so dedicated and focused. He wants to win the Super Bowl the next season too. But it's like, uh, wait a second, you know, <laughs> what, what's the impact of that message on, you know, on humanity? Well, and, and it really, to me, it really depends on like, is that affecting your own sense of if you're good enough or not, right? Like, is it in a, affecting your internal sense of value as a human being? Like, if you're if that's in place and you're like, no, like I I I know I'm good enough, and because I'm good enough, I'm more than more than good enough. 
then I just, you just want to do those things. It's more like for fun, for entertainment, but there's a different way of going about it that I find most people are going about it. And it's, that will mean I'm good enough. I'm not good enough until I achieve X, 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 X. And that is the message from the world, right? And so, but there's a different way. And, and what I find is a, a really tricky energy in that is that most people have only ever used pressure as a way to motivate themselves and not good enough as a way to motivate themselves. So they're afraid that if they take that away, they think taking that away means they're going to become this complacent slob yeah. who never does anything. And just, I always tell my life, like they're just sitting on the TV, watching TV and they're 450 pounds and they got Dorito crumbs all over their chest and milkshakes, fast food, ever. that, but really though, like that's kind of, I'm exaggerating, but the, that it is that energy. If I stop pressuring myself to mm -hmm. better, be better, whoa, that's the fear. That's what they're running from is some version of that in whatever way, shape or form. And what I have found is that is not what happens when you start knowing your internal value, no matter what, like you could go sit in the desert on a boulder and just know your worth without having to prove it, mm. without having to contribute, without having to do anything. You just know that's when you truly start to contribute because everything else that's not in that energy is actually selfish. It's actually contributing in the energy of getting because it's like, see, I'm good now, right? Because I give and I contribute and I'm awesome, like, right, right, right. But until that internal value system is just like, I could just lay next to a river in the mountains and know my freaking worth. Until that's there, you're you're actually kind of taking in a way. And people are, it's tricky because you can fool yourself too. It's like, no, I'm not. Like, look how much goodness I'm bringing to the world. But if you can't go lay by that river and just know your same worth without helping anybody, without contributing, without being somebody, without having an identity and all that stuff, there's an energy underneath of that in which you are taking, you know? And so to me, once you know your worth, once you fully know your worth, and it takes a lot of work these days to get to that place, but when you fully know it, that's when you actually start to contribute from a place of alignment, right? Because you don't have to. You don't feel like you have to anymore to to feel worthy or valuable. You just want to because you're coming from that high frequency aligned place. And that's 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 how I operate now. And it it takes a lot of um silence. It takes a lot of observing um what's what's taken away from my energy, what's contributing to it, what feels high frequency. You know, there's little tendrils like Tara, come do this and make all the money, you know, and I'll no, I'm not doing that. I should, that doesn't feel aligned. So no, thank you. You know, and so it's been a journey, but you get to that place by being in silence a lot, honestly, in silence a lot, receiving help, coaches, therapists, mentors, mm -hmm. being on healthy energy, people going out in nature, right? Tapping in, meditating, like doing that work and observing yourself. Like it's so cool because you just... I just lift and eat healthy because I want to, not because I'm trying to prove something anymore. And it's a really wonderful place to be. I think I would like you to repeat that uh, statement so that we can fully understand that it is a form of being selfish when you're you know, just giving and giving and running yourself uh, ragged, like we have the stereotypical... Uh, soccer mom uh, with four kids who's running marathons and trying to 
uh, aligned to the the religious culture and and all those things that are wake up every morning at four forty seven a.m. and it's it's game on and all you're doing is is giving out energy and trying to make the world a better place, but the part that's missing makes you selfish. That's a heavy insight, and I think it also comes up with um, the overtrained athlete. Yeah. Where um, you, there's, you know, there's no way I'm not the most disciplined, motivated competitor because I'm running 100 miles a week and um, right. I'm, I'm proving. Well, you're proving that you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're way far off your your peak performance capability because you're you're mean to yourself. Right. Yeah. It's codependency. It's 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 low self worth, and I know it because I was it for so long. I know this pattern like so deeply all the little nuances because that was me you know forever and i didn't even realize that you don't usually you don't realize you're doing it until you get tuned into a book or conversations like mm-hmm. this like wait what i just thought i was a great person you know i just thought i was a nice mm-hmm. helpful person that i had no consciousness that any of these patterns any of these programs were running in my subconscious and so the people pleasing pattern or codependency, which is what you just described, you're just giving, 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 giving. It's actually a nasty little pattern. It has some really nasty energies underneath of it, masked by kindness and goodness. Mm-hmm. Because underneath of it, let's say here's an example. I ask you, hey, Brad, um, I heard you're going to be in Utah. Can you, I'm going to be moving next weekend. I know you're on vacation, but could you come help me move on Saturday? Do you have anything on Saturday? And you're like, no, yeah, okay. I, you're like, I wanted to go on a hike, kind of, but mm-hmm. I bet I should. I should, Terry. She asked me, and that would make me a good person if I went and did that, right? Meanwhile, all the while, if you were in this codependent, people pleasing pattern, you would be thinking, oh, hey, I can't even, why would, I can't believe she asked me to do that. She knows I'm on vacation. You're going to start talking to your people about it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, that girl, Tara, like, dude, I was on vacation in Utah. She asked me to help her move. And then, like she didn't even buy me food and like all this stuff starts happening because what what happened really there you didn't really do that out of the goodness of your heart you did it to get a good person card right this will so you're actually taking in that energy right and so the 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 healing from that i call it the people pleaser pause i use it a lot in my coaching and it's two questions you pause so i say hey brad can you come help me move on saturday and the people pleaser pauses, do I want to? There's two questions. One, do I want to? And if you don't want to, then it's your responsibility to just say no. Nope. And you don't explain yourself and or make excuses or lie, which is what happens in that pattern. And just, oh, no, I can't. I, sorry, can't sit <laughs> or whatever, however that flows for you. And that second question is, do I have the bandwidth? And sometimes it's just... I think I'm going to be exhausted if I do that. Mm. I just data myself to have an open calendar. Mm. I just don't have the bandwidth for that. So no, you know, so um, yeah, that can go into little one-on-one incidences like that, but it can also come into the, you know, people on social media, you know, as like overgiving. I have to be this person to be valuable. Right. And it's like, no, you actually don't have to do anything to be valuable. And when, once you know that, then you just start contributing from a place of true contribution Contribution, instead of kind of, you don't realize you're doing it until you realize you're doing it. But then you you realize like, holy crap, like what if I wasn't this person? What if I didn't help anybody? That was a healing thing for me. I journaled about that because mm-hmm. I, I like to help. I do like to help. I love to help, right? But I was like, who would you be without helping? And that was real interesting. I was like, huh. All right. 
And uh, I saw myself, like, like I said, like in the woods, in the mountains, just laying by a river. And I saw myself on the beach and I saw myself at a restaurant being served. And you can't, I'm like, you can't help anybody. And, I, and that's when I got to know the true nature of my soul. It was like, oh, who would I be? Okay. Curious, playful, insightful, deep thinking. Um, Healthy. <laughs> Stress and I, and I, balanced. Yeah. Yeah. And I wrote the word free. And I was like, whoa. When I saw that come out, I was like, oh, we need to pay attention here. And so that was a really helpful process. So if any of this is resonating, I know we kind of went on a tangent on the codependency. Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm speaking of a tangent. Um, you know, you're a parent of four and they're watching everything you do. They're absorbing it like a sponge. And yeah. so to back off from today's uh, stereotypical helicopter parent and take better care of yourself, it's the yeah. most powerful message that you can send. And it's, it's you know, it's it's so much more valuable than stepping in one more time to um, pave the way so that uh, your kids can be, quote, happy, successful, and all those kind of things. And mm -hmm. so, boy, I mean, you're, you're being helpful just by the mere act of talking about it. And if you were to behave that way for 30 days or whatever, and everyone's watching you, uh, you know, in the gym, not lending a helping hand, but just staying focused and doing your workout and smiling and leaving. They're like, wow, she's really focused. I'm inspired. I'm going to waste less time and, and stick to my goals. Oh my God, it'd be so helpful to see an example like that in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And my favorite quote is from Leo Tolstoy. He says, everyone thinks of changing the world. No one thinks of changing himself. And I love that quote because that's all, that's all you have to do. You want to change, you want to help, you know, I hear people sometimes say like, I just want to inspire people. I'm like, inspire yourself. You know, I just want to help people, blah, 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 help yourself with that first. And that's really all you have to do. Because once you just, once it's, it just comes out in the nuances, you know, yeah. it's just ease. Right. But when it, when it's like, you know, I hear people sometimes say, I want to inspire people. I don't know what, I just want to inspire people. I hear wounded. That's all I hear when somebody says, I, I want to inspire people, but I don't even know what I want to inspire them about. I hear mm. I need validation. I'm just being real. Like, it's like, I want people to admire me because, and I'm just like, I just have compassion and love. But I'm just like, that's just turn all that into yourself. Just all that love, all anything that you want to help people with. It's so easy to help people with things. If you really want to help, if you really got it it's just mm -hmm. it's ease it's just like yeah i know i, I yeah it's you don't even have to really try you know and so that's that's been one of the biggest learning lessons it's just all doing my own inner work and staying aligned and staying high frequency like goodness just ripple it just it just happens mm -hmm. with ease you'll just be inspired and it's a want to and yes and just beauty happens that way you know so you want to help your, help people help yourself and it just You'll see. It just happens. <laughs> so when you were helping yourself and slowly but surely extricating from the the cult and the dysfunctional relationships and, and getting some distance and some perspective, and then uh, you're describing this pendulum that has swung so extremely. Very few people can relate that they were trapped in to, to such level and now springboarding out. Do you think that um, the extremes of your background have helped you kind of gain, uh, you know, more perspective and, um, you know, more self-awareness than maybe the average where we haven't really touched those extremes. We just wake up and um, things are okay, but they're not, um, you know, you, you can't dream of anything different. 
nor do you have this amazing trauma that gives you perspective every single day when you wake up. Mm. Yeah, yes. And I think the thing that I'm most grateful for is when I was in that religion, I was, I used to, I, I just knew everything. I just, whatever was taught to me from as early as I could talk, it was just like, this is how it is. And I just have the truth. I just know, right? And I said that a million times, you know, thousands of times. I was like, I know this and I know that and I know this. And when you kind of get your butt handed to you at that level of when you, all these things that you knew were truth, all of a sudden you found out, no, it wasn't. That changes you at such a profound level. It is so humbling. And on top of it, I mean, I live in Utah. So there's a lot of people in that religion. And like, I didn't know anyone who wasn't in that religion. Okay. So when I, and I was in leadership, I was really, really in it. Cause I was really in that proving helicopter mom type energy. So I was super overachiever, super in it. Right. And I had to walk away from life as I knew it completely. Like I went from this super social, like no hundred thousands in the area of people I don't know anybody right because it's just it was such a I, I don't know how to it's hard to explain if you haven't been through it but you just really aren't going to be able to relate to people anymore because that that lens just completely owns how you see life like I wouldn't be able to connect with you all the way because I would see you as not in that religion I'd be like he's not he doesn't know he doesn't get it you know I separated myself from people right so Finding out that you were wrong on such a profound level, <laughs> it, it, I, I'm, it's changed me forever. And I know many people who have left that religion that feel the same way is like, I don't ever want to get into a belief system that I'm right, right? Like, I like to be wrong now. I like, you know, I, I'll, I'll say, this is how I feel now. This feels true now. You never know. I might change my two mm. 20 years. But right now, this this is what feels true to me. And it's made me a much more open-minded and curious person. It's made me more honest. It's made me more willing to, you know, be able to say like, oh, yeah, I was trying to swear, but I'm just like, okay. You're allowed now. Oh, okay. You couldn't swear, but you can swear. <laughs> I didn't know about your podcast. <laughs> You're, no, free. I swear. You're That's free. Okay. Okay. Oh, I swear. Freaking free, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> didn't want to mess up your podcast, but yeah, it's, um, it's it's it, it's been really cool and yeah i will say it is difficult it's not for there's a lot of people who don't really believe that religion is true who are in it because they're like they don't want to face like mm. it it i had a panic attack i've never had a panic attack in my life i mean it's really intense <laughs> because in that framework also you're very concerned of what other people think of you constantly right and i i mean i used to think god was in my head judging my every thought Right. So I was just so in this like energy of I'm being judged constantly. Right. So th then to walk away and say everything that I always said I knew, I'm actually saying no to that now. I, it's, it's intense. You get very, you know, wor worried about what other people think. And I had to, we, I'm telling you, like, it, there's no psychedelic in the world that has fractured my sense of reality. Like that moment fractured my reality when I realized it wasn't, it was like every single way I saw life shattered to the floor it was like i don't know how i see life anymore mm. oh and i had to like integrate with society i had very much isolated myself from anyone who wasn't in that religion right so i was like how do other people think like what it was like i was learning how the world worked you know so um yeah it's uh it, I, I wouldn't change a thing i'm incredibly grateful for it it's made me much more open-minded 
uh, much more forgiving. I'm in a good place with that religion now too. It's just like, uh, I, I like to say for me, it's not true, but that doesn't mean it can't be for other people. I, I just feel like you can just choose whatever you want now. You know, <laughs> you just get to choose. And so, yeah, it's been a, it's been a journey, but um, and not not to mention I fell into a really unhealthy relationship and lost everything about a year and a half later, completely. Bank, I just he saw me coming from a mile away. I was very naive coming out of that. And so, yeah, I just let him have access to all my money and wow. it all went gone. And I ended up with literally not a penny to my name and a bankruptcy, lost my car, all of it had to have my ex-husband take my kids, you know? So, I mean, I just got like, the, it was like the universe just was like body slam, body slam, wake up, wake up, wake up. So yeah, I went through some hard things, but I'm, I'm so grateful because like I had to break these ego structures that I had, like, this is how life is like. I'm I'm grateful that I got slammed so hard. They were like, she, she got it. She can take it, you know? So it just really woke me up. And I was like, man, I got to really take a look at how I'm looking at life because this is the results I'm getting right now. Like, look, look at your life. Like you just lost everything. You don't have your kids except on the weekends. Like look at your life, you know? And that was the beginning of like my true healing journey. You know, it's, it comes in layers. I thought I was so free after I left Mormonism, but I still had any of my mindset work, right? So I was still in these people pleasing codependent patterns. Just, just a different set of beliefs that were right. Um, just he as was, uh, naive, I guess. Right. He was like the new. Oh, someone will tell me how to think, right? And so when I got slammed out of that one, that's when the real healing began, you know. And I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for all of it. It's so cool, and it, and it helps me in coaching too because. I run into a lot of these kind of patterns and I just know them so deeply, you know, from being overweight to being obsessed with exercise to not having boundaries or speaking my voice or any of these. I'm so grateful for all of them because I'm like, you know, it helps when you're coaching, when you're coming from a place of true empathy. If people are like, you're reading my mind right now. I'm like, yeah, cause I know this. I was this, I know it. <laughs> so yeah, just a really grateful for the whole journey. Hey ladies. You may have heard me talk about Gaines Wave treatment for improving male penile vascular health and sexual function, and maybe you thought, hey, what about my needs? Well, Gaines Wave has got you covered with a revolutionary new treatment protocol called Gaines Wave for Her. As with the male Gaines Wave treatment, a skilled practitioner uses a handheld device to send low-intensity shock waves into your vaginal area to stimulate a healing response, promote increased blood circulation, and the growth of new blood vessels. After a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results with Gaines Wave reporting an 80% success rate. Some benefits... You will revitalize your intimate relationships with heightened sensation and arousal and enhance pleasure and satisfaction. Don't contemplate invasive procedures or uncomfortable medical treatments. Regain confidence and reclaim your sexuality with Gaines Wave for her. You visit the website gainswave.com, G-A-I-N-S-W-A-V-E.com slash Brad to find a practitioner in your area. You complete a series of treatments and the beneficial effects will last for a long time, especially if you eat and exercise well to promote overall vascular health. It's a tune-up for your equipment. So please visit gainswave.com slash Brad to find a practitioner in your area and take advantage 
of my special promo that you'll mention when you find your local practitioner. Buy six treatments and get one free. So when you slip from that mindset and disposition, whether it's tomorrow or last week, or you have a, um, you know, someone else ripped you off for <laughs> here and there, um, what's your exercise to recalibrate? Or you can tell me, no, Brad, I never slip. I'm grateful 24-7, but I'm just guessing there. Um, no, no. <laughs> I still have a full spectrum of humanity in me. And so, yeah, I when I um, get really angry or, you know, super sad or super stressed about something, my process is letting the letting the feelings run through my body without blocking them. So I've learned this um, awesome thing. I've learned this awesome thing. And it's uh, to learn what it feels like to feel emotions in my body without creating a bunch of stories in my mind. Because I've learned that the stories that we create about the emotions keep those emotions going for really longer than natural. Like snap out of it. You should be grateful right now. Uh, Self-criticism because you're feeling down and... Uh, negative right or let's say somebody you know takes advantage of you somehow uh for me it might be that piece of crap yeah. jerk, blah, blah, blah. and like every single time i think about that person I'm like oh what a jerk blah. and i recreate that right and so what i learned is like notice how i'm feeling and yeah sometimes i'm not as at first it's just a mess right when i get especially like when i'm really mad right especially if it's like protective energy over my kids or something like i'm like gonna kill somebody you know <laughs> like I, I admit i totally get in my you know those modes but like i've learned to one not take it to anybody else right like not mm. go react and be like blah, blah, blah. Mm. that is definitely not a time to solve any sort of problems or have any sort of is even though it can be very tempting and I can feel very justified in that moment, right? It's like, no, this is good. I, you should do it now while you're mad. You, you got all the perfect things to say right now, you know? Mm. <laughs> and I've learned to not do that. I have at least have that. And then I just let it roll. I just let it, I just feel it. I was like, yup, I'm mad. Yup, I'm sad. Yup, I'm angry. I'm, I'm, I'm hurt. You know, I found out someone um, that I know in the community died today and he's my age. I just sat in the gym parking lot and just cried. And I just let myself, I don't create, I tried my, you know, they would come in, oh my gosh, his kids, oh, his wife, oh, well, his brother. Like I just, I, and I, you know, they came, but I just let them go kind of like meditation and just feel it in my body and just let it process, you know? And I'm sure that will come in a few more waves. I just found that out today. I'm sure it'll mm -hmm. come in again. And I'm sorry. Body. Thanks. It's, you know, he wasn't close to me, but I was close to his, some people in his family, but um, anyway, just that's an example of I've learned to let things, let the emotions run through my body. It's like a splinter coming out, like let it roll, you know, um, but I've learned to kind of release the mind as I'm doing that kind of like meditation mm -hmm. instead of fixating on all these stories. It's just let the emotion run without the stories. And then let's say I got triggered and I, you know, yelled at my kids or something. I sit with myself on that, right? So, huh, you don't do that very much anymore. So like, what was that? And what I look for is the story. What is the story, my subconscious story that is creating me to get, causing me to get so mad about that? There's a story there. And I've learned that from a woman named Catherine Dixon, who was really, really important part of my healing journey. Um, and it's just, if you can figure out the story, let's say, you know, the story is that if my kid's, are fighting all the time. 
I'm a bad mom. Mm. All right. And so if that's the story, then when they start fighting, guess who gets triggered? The Me. bad mom. And guess sure. who wants to start controlling them and make sure they don't fight so I don't have to deal with my own feelings of I'm a bad mom. That. So I look for the story. If I get really reactive, I'm like, what's, what is the story underneath this? Like, why did that make me so angry? Like, what, 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 what belief do I have about life? Mm -hmm. And then I start looking at new stories. It's like, is that really, this is Byron Katie's work, but is it true, you know, that if your kids fight, you're a bad mom? Like, no. Okay. It's like, okay. So, you know, Byron Katie asked, how isn't true. Right. There's really know it's true. And how do you react when you believe that thought is true? It's like, I get mad. I start trying to control everybody. I'm like critical, you know, I'm, I'm victimized and all this stuff. Right. And it's like, what would be possible? Her fourth question is what would be possible for you in this situation if that story wasn't true? And it's like, um, okay, maybe I could just be more present with it and like understand that it kids just fight sometimes. It has nothing to do with me. Ah, there we go. You know, so after I let the emotions process, I'll usually do kind of like a short firing Katie type process of like, what is the story I've got going on here causing me to behave that way? And I'll, and I'll do my work on that. So that's really been life-changing for me, honestly, in the last five, six years. So we have the great success that you shared of getting off all that excess body weight. You got deep into the um, strategic dietary practices. And of course, fitness, you mentioned going into weightlifting instead of that pure extreme endurance training. So maybe we should like shift a little. We can talk about some logistics that what's worked for you as well as your clients. And then I'm going to get further down the road and talk about how we potentially overdo that stuff like we talked about offline. But then um, if there's opportunity to inject how these other things that you've spoken about uh, you know, these, these profound insights that you gain from your journey, how do those sprinkle in to one's diet and fitness journey and, and goals and, uh, appreciation and enjoyment of the process as well as the result? Sure. All right. Let's get all health focused. Um, so for me, it's for my, for my journey, it's really after the marathoning thing. Um, I was just a typical mom that just started following bikini competitors on Instagram. Okay. This is like, <laughs> 2016, you know? And so I was just like, I'm just going to do what they do. Right. So I got on this very typical weight lift bodybuilding slit, you know, I'm like, what are these drinks people have in the gym that are blue and red? I mean, that is how clueless I was. I'm like, oh, it's called pre-workout. Oh, okay. You know what? Whey protein. I mean, I was completely clueless. So I just went on that full bodybuilding thing. I just, I, you know, did macros, calories, like the full thing. And then I got to a place pretty quickly where I was able to just mimic that without tracking anything. So I actually got down to 11% body fat purely from just uh, kind of getting the ropes and just managing from there, which is a little hard, hard to do, but when you're obsessed, you get there. That's where I was at. And then um, I uh, started keto, okay? So I found out about keto when I was 11% body fat. I didn't know I was 11% body fat, okay? <laughs> I was like, shoot, I should Hey, go. let me try this keto. <laughs> See if I can go from 11 to 10. Well, no, I, I actually, I, I was interested in it from like the biohacking standpoint, the brain benefits, you know, all of that. And so I started keto and I actually did want to put on a little body fat. So I was like, that. I didn't know I was that low. Sheesh. Um, and, but what happened for me was I actually started gaining a lot of body fat on keto. 
So I did not go the normal route of people on keto. Like, um, and actually I have the whole thing DEXA scanned. I did write a book about this. It's called short-term keto and the whole introduction is going over this. But I, you know, I DEXA scanned the whole way. I just continuously, even with like supplementing leucine and, and really, I mean, I was eating a very high quality protein, like wild game meats and, you know, very clean keto, higher protein, like everything I could, I was losing muscle and gaining body fat. Yeah. And then even though like the boost in fat, eating more fat was, I knew very beneficial for me because I had been on that bodybuilding fat is the devil <laughs> fat thing. I could tell I felt a lot more balanced getting more fat in, but slowly over time, I like my body composition was suffering. I wasn't feeling as good. And even though I could go a lot longer between meals without eating, I definitely got that gift from keto that I'm super grateful for. I started to feel very like never felt full at the end of meals, right? I just I noticed I'd be like in nut butters or keto bars, and I, I was like, dude, I haven't been in this place with food in a long time. Where I'm like, like digging in the pantry and like, ah, uh, you know. And so, um, I had done like some gut testing and some DNA testing, and like everything was saying you should eat a lot of carbs. You should eat a lot of carbs. Yeah. And I had just had enough time on keto. I'd been keto strict keto for a year. Um. That I decided to bring carbs back in. And for me, that was insane. Um, for me, it went like this, like <laughs> from 11% body fat to about 18% body fat on keto in a year. Within nine months, I was back down to 12 point something percent body fat, gained more muscle than I even had before, even after losing all that without tracking anything, without doing any of that. I was just, for me, I, I think it was for me to do keto for a little while i don't think i needed to do it for a full year um but bringing cars back in after keto it was just like everything went kaboom and then i keep my sanity and i just work on my phone i don't usually multitask but i just work on my phone while i walk and it's just it's beautiful i take care of all my social media stuff my team my emails you know so that's kind of my flow um i intermittent fast now pretty much yeah it's just i don't like try to per se i'm just kind of in that flow I wake up, have my coffee, go to the gym, work out, just wait till I get hungry, eat. And then I try to stop eating three hours before bed because I want my body to recover well and my gut to recover well and have good brain power, you know? And so it's not to be skinny. It's not to lose weight. It's just what's best for my body. And then I just eat as nutrient dense as I can without being a perfectionist about it. It's okay if I have a little cheesecake or chocolate or mm. just, my desire to have those things is kind of low because I have a loving relationship with my body now mm. like I'm the inside of my body mm -hmm. and I'm just like don't really want to do that kind of stuff to it very often it's like I know you guys can deal with that stuff but like how much do I want to make you deal with it my little gut cells and you know all of it my every cell in my body it's like I look at food as an opportunity to like give to them like, thank you for everything you do. Like, here's some nutrients. Here you go. Thank you. And I want to feel good. Right. So that's kind of, that's kind of my, my journey with nutrition and training. Uh, and compare contrast to those days when you were trying to qualify for Boston. I, I can't imagine you were doing a lot of impressive work in the gym. It was probably mostly directed toward running miles. And that came with a struggle to get to healthy body composition. So what do you think, like, uh, for those listening who are trying to qualify for Boston and wondering why they can't get their six pack? Um, let's see. Well, 
the the trouble with marathon running for people who are kind of in the boat that I'm in, like you were like this like super athlete, you know, you didn't have that kind of problem. I think you were probably also cross training a lot. You were doing, you know, triathlons, multiple disciplines. For me, like, I feel like there are a lot of people kind of in the boat I was in where I really hadn't done much for my nutrition. It was like, oh, I'm eating a salad today. I'm being healthy, but I still want to have like all the other things and fast food and just kind of typical standard American diet. And um, the trouble with only purely running and running and running, at least for me or people maybe uh, built like I am, is that my hunger would just go so high from all that running, I would easily eat back everything I burned off and then some, and then I wasn't building muscle in the way that you can from resistance training, right? And so I was dependent on that exercise for burning calories versus understanding that I could create hormetic shifts in my body, hormone shifts in my body, stressors in my that could build more muscle and keep my metabolism higher all the time. Um, also, I like to call muscles, uh, carb storage tanks, right? So you have bigger storage tanks for carbs, meaning, yeah, sure, you go lift or whatever. You dump some of the carbs into your bloodstream to use for that exercise. Well, the bigger your storage tanks, the more carbs you can hold. So then when I go eat carbs throughout the day, I just made room in these pretty big storage tanks that I have. And so when carbs are going into those, guess where they're not going? body fat. <laughs> so um, it's a lot easier to stay lean when you have more muscle because you have bigger storage tanks, right? <laughs> Especially if you're using them uh, pretty much on the daily, which I do. So um, it's it's tough to, you know, you hear it's tough to out-train a bad diet or outrun a bad diet. It's true. And I also just like to look at it as it's, you can, you can make things really hard when you're in this mindset of, I have to like eat less and burn more calories. It just makes everything so hard and it doesn't have to be that hard. Mm -hmm. I don't track a, I don't track anything. I haven't tracked food in years. I don't even think that way anymore. I just train hard, train like a beast, recover hard, and just try to eat plenty of quality protein, fiber, High quality fats, high quality foods, you know, that keep me satiated and not sweat the small stuff. But yeah, it's just so much more ease if you're resistance training to stay lean and you feel better mentally. It protects your joints. So yeah, it's just, it's just a lot easier to be healthy and fit and strong. In my opinion, if in marathon running is super fun, I'll always love it. You know, that was a love of mine for like 20 years of my life. I get it. Oh, but just a, just a push to make sure you're, uh, out when I started training, weight training more and running less, that's when I got ultra fast, right? That's when I got like seven, 10 pace, 26 mile marathon was when I started running way less weight training more and eating better, you know? So it's, it's nice. Highly recommend. <laughs> it's tough to, uh, to make that transition for a lot of people who are deeply immersed in that endurance scene. And yep. I think the inherent struggling and suffering psychologically and physically from maintaining a high mileage practice and chronically overproducing stress hormones, your your metabolism, uh, for example, is calibrated to, um, to to store fat. And so you're ah. like, you, like you described, you ran so many miles and you overate your way through to, to make sure that you would recover because you were in such a 
immersion of, of pain and suffering and torture and getting up and doing it again the next day. And right. if you're training in the gym appropriately under the guise of a good coach or, yeah. for example, a great app that's helping you you know, balance that stress and rest, you're not in that chronic overproduction of stress hormones. You're in an appropriate uh, stressor such as a workout that lasts for less than an hour that's within your capabilities. And I would imagine too, now we can bring in some of that spiritual side that you talked about at length. You appreciate the process of getting fit. You respect your body. And I imagine that, like you say, you haven't needed to track anything because your appetite is appropriately regulated by your hunger and satiety hormones because you listen to your body. You sit in silence. Your stress-rest balance is okay. You're not over-hovering on the mom scene and then go slamming in the gym and then going having a, 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 a slurpee on your way home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the body, when the body is in balance, everything gets easier, right? So if you're just way too far in one direction, whether that's junk food or over exercise or over running, or, you know, when you just are way imbalanced in one area, yeah, you're going to mess up your satiety hormones, your hunger hormones, all of those things. Right. And so, and if you're just never exercising also, that's going to get messed up. Right. So it's about like, it, to me, the body loves stress and small spurts, mm. right? It doesn't love chronic long-term stress. It does actually really like a little short-term stress <laughs> in the body, you know? Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it's about like, and you have to get, it takes a while to get intuitive with that. You maybe you're going to get obsessed like I did and you're going to overdrain like crazy. And you're like, I love this, you know? And then you kind of learn like, wow, something happens in your life. We're like, okay, I'm going to back off a little bit. I'm going to try back. It's scary to back off. It is much harder. I have found for, especially for people who love training, scariest thing in the world for them to back off and mm. me that oh I I work with that a lot like there's a we have a lot of hypothyroidism and adrenal fatigue especially mm. women and you know the it's over stress in the body and some of it's emotional and unhealed trauma and all of this but also it's this it's drive myself into the ground mentality never stop like I have to that program is really hard on women like because like what do you hear what makes someone a great woman Oh, she's such a great wife. She's such a great sister. She's such a great friend. She's such a great mom. Because why? Because of what she does mm. for everybody, right? And that is the program on women. It's like, give, 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 give. And then, oh, you better be super skinny and hot too, you know? And it's just like, oh, mm. it just drives women into this, like, go, 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 go. Yeah. Uh, John Gray, Beyond Mars and Venus, talks about how the, you know, the primary biological drives of the male and female and the traditional speak are disparate and the woman is a natural nurturer caretaker and today we have uh charged the female with also kicking ass in the workplace and being doing and being and, and succeeding and excelling and they become depleted because they're asked to you know be all things to all people yeah. And it's up to us as women to really check ourselves on this, right? It's just like every other program that society has gone. So like, I got to sit with myself on that. And where do I, what, what's going on inside of me? And what, like, what, what do I believe is true about life? You know? So for me, like I run a business, I have four kids, you know, <laughs> um, I don't feel depleted and burn out and run out. I'm active. I'm fit because I refuse because I've learned this through a school of hard knocks but I refuse to go into that like adrenal overdrive. I'm mm. overwhelmed. I just don't have a second to sit down. If I'm even tiptoeing into that direction, I have a hard look at my life. I'm like, what's going on? 
What are you doing that you don't need to be doing? What do you need to let go of? What do you need to say no to? Where do you need to ask for help? Because I refuse. I've been there and it's like, on. it's like, it's almost like traumatic. That, that energy feels like trauma energy to me. It's like trauma response energy. So well, that's a good that one. Yeah. Phase of my trauma, life. Like, lifelong trauma response. Yeah. I, I, I see people thriving in that realm. And when I say thriving, uh, they also thrive on complaining about it and repeating <laughs> the cycle. And so um, I, I don't know if I should pick a better word, but like they bring it to themselves every day. I brought the overtraining pattern to myself when I was a young professional athlete because I wanted to win so badly and I was willing to do whatever it took. I can make some air quotes on the video here. And so, of course, I'm going to, you know, outwork the next person. And if I'm tired, I'm not going to complain. I'm going to go jump in the swimming pool and do my third workout of the day. Uh, and that part, uh, you know, is something for real reflection for the uh, the, the type A, the hard driving, the goal directed yeah. uh, person, because they think they're doing everything right, or they're doing all that's asked of them. And they might better benefit from the little question and answer that you have with yourself that you've related a few times in the show. Yeah. It's, you know, is it coming at the expense of my own self? Am I driving so hard to prove that I can be the best athlete or be the best mom or be the best business owner? Am I, am I working so hard to prove that to myself and to other people that I'm trampling all over myself of what I actually need? Am I, am I really happy or do I just feel like I'm happy by covering it up with this proving thing that I'm doing? And that's an honest conversation you have to have with yourself. But what's cool about it is when you can be real with yourself and get honest about it, that's your, that is like you just took one step through the gate of alignment in your life of like what you really want, you know? And so for me, like, yeah, I still run my business. I still, I just ran a retreat. Um, I, you know, I have a lot, I have a podcast, you know, I do these kind of podcasts like you so much of this is really fun. I have, you know, four different kids that are from 10 to 17 that I got all sorts of stuff going on, you know, and I don't feel overwhelmed because I sit with each thing and I, and, and I just notice how I'm feeling and I recruit help. If anybody's watching the video, you may notice we typed something a second ago, which I feel really bad about doing, but it's because I asked my daughter to pick up my voice from school and she's like, I can't find them. <laughs> she go to the office, but it's just that it's just noticing noticing and um and being able to say no and being able to give up control over everything you know like i don't know my kids will get home from school somehow you know yeah. <laughs> daughter will find them but just releasing that control a little bit and just noticing how you feel as a result of how you're living and the the brutal phrase i like to wrap that point up is i like to say that overwhelm is a victim mindset it is it is it, because you can find solutions. You can. Mm. Because I'm like, if I'm single with four kids running a business, a full client load and a podcast and retreat and an app and all of these things, and I don't feel overwhelmed, I know anybody can get there. It's just accepting that you are creating in everything in your life and choosing everything. And when you have full ownership over that, that's the path to freedom. It's just like what you were saying is like, I'm choosing this. I am choosing life. Everybody's life looks different. 
and everyone is, you know, there's some things we don't choose. Tragedies happen, things like that. I get it. There's temporary phases of overwhelm that you did not choose, you know? So, you know, passion there. And, And eventually, and eventually it is your responsibility to get into a place of peace for yourself, you know, and it takes time on certain things. But like you, if you, if you will hold out hope that you can get to a place of peace, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be crazy times, you know, but like it's continuously taking a look inside yourself of like, all right, how am I doing with this? How do I really feel about this? Where do I want to take this? You know, what do I need to let go of? Where do I need help? Do I need to get a therapist? Do I need to get a, some extra hands on this? You know, like that's the ownership piece that I'm talking about, you know, it's like, you can get to a place of peace in your life. I fully believe that no matter what you're going through, it might take time, but you can get there. Oof. That's uh, a beautiful message. I'm letting it sink in a little bit. And one thing I'm going to remember uh, and also listen to this show every three months for the rest of our lives, I would, I would recommend that. But, you know, checking in more frequently. Um, yeah. I, 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 it came up for me that maybe I didn't realize I was getting overwhelmed or that I was uh, uh, struggling and suffering too much because I was overtraining uh, because I didn't even uh, reflect enough. And I think if we have some time to do that every single day, we're going to write course better than banging our heads against the wall, which I think we're often guilty of. We're too busy to check in with ourselves because we're too overwhelmed. So we don't have time to reflect whether or not we're overwhelmed and what changes we can make. Yeah, I got this intuitive uh, little, I don't know, thought that came in one time and it was like, watch out for the tough ones. Watch out for those tough ones because they're so used to being tough that they will override their emotions like mm-hmm. crazy. So the endurance athletes, the, you know, the type A, the super driver, it, it serves us in a way like when, when I was at on mile 24 of a marathon and I can't literally can't even see because I'm blacking out, like you have two choices. You either lay down or you positive yourself to the finish line. Like, come on, you got this. Let's go. Well, <laughs> sometimes that doesn't serve us because it it is useful at times. So I'm so grateful that I have access to that side of myself for what I really need. When necessary. Like, right. It's like, dude, you've done way harder than this. You got this. You know what I mean? So it is useful and it can also cause us to override and not even notice I'm really happy. Do do I like this? Is this stress me out every single time I do this? How do I actually feel about this? And when you can sit with yourself on that, I like to take myself. I'm like, maybe I just won't do it anymore. I like I take myself all the way to straight to the biggest fear. Oh, I guess I just I won't be a coach anymore, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I'm feeling and then giving myself that full freedom. Like, for example, recently I noticed that having back-to-back client calls, I was feeling really exhausted after that. And I was giving myself that. I was like, you know, I'm freaking tanked. Oh, God, that was a lot of energy, you know? And I was like, maybe I don't want to do one-on-one coaching anymore. You know, I go, I go all the way there, right? And I'm like, yeah, okay, I could let go of that. And then in that processing space, I found it was like, why don't you just give yourself a 15-minute buffer between calls? Okay. <laughs> Got it. You know, it's uh, you find solutions that will bring more peace and joy to your life and will give it to yourself. I'm like, I'm not really digging this flow. Right. It's like, allow that in 
and sit with it for a little while. You might not have to make that big of a tweak. You might just need a little break between calls as a silly example, you know, but that's, that's how it is. It's like, uh, but sit with like being real with yourself. of like, I'm not, I don't, something's wrong. I don't like how my energy feels right now. What is it? And sometimes it's my mindset about that thing that I need to take a look at. And sometimes it's something small and mechanical like that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Okay. Maybe you need another recovery day, right? Yeah. The athletes struggling in the workout and feeling frustrated. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oof. So before we let you go, since you just got back from this incredible retreat in Maui and you gave me that interesting stat that, what was it, 22 guests <laughs> and there's 21 deposits for next year. So even though you're probably going to be full up and we're going to have to get you out there for more retreats, but is this the kind of stuff that happens in the retreat where people are uh, getting the time to reflect and perhaps journal or talk in a circle, eat healthy food, work out? Tell us a little bit about what's what's happening at these things. Thank you. I haven't even announced it yet, so this is my first time even telling anybody, but we'll be Uh-oh, going to listeners, Sedona. get ready to pound. <laughs> we'll be going to Sedona in the spring 2024. So I haven't firmed up the dates yet or anything. So if, if you're interested in that, uh, just, you know, follow me on social media or something. I'm sure I'll be posting about it. But um, yeah, there. so my two top principles in life are freedom and fun. <laughs> that kind of sums it up. So the freedom work is like, taking a, we do do some a little bit of deeper work, like holotropic breath work and, you know, some workshops of like getting you thinking. But I try to keep those short and uh, powerful. And then we, I mean, we went surfing, we were hiking all over Maui. I mean, it was jumping off cliffs in the water. You don't have to do that if you don't want, I don't know. I would never make anybody do anything they didn't want to do, but it was so incredibly fun, but also a lot of deep work and shifting. And so that's how all of my retreats will be. It's a really, if you haven't ever been to a retreat, it is like, it's so helpful to get out of your daily routine and get into a new environment with new people, especially if you have a coach or somebody like sparking little things, you're doing your own work, breath work, meditating out nature. I mean, it's just such a great way to zoom out on your life and take a look at things. So yeah, that'll be, I'm going to areas of the world where I have personally felt like myself open up like, whoa, and some of my own transformation. So we did Zion National Park in Utah, uh, Maui, and now we're going to Sedona. So uh, thanks for letting me talk about it. Uh, my website's terrygarrison.com. So well, I'm sure we'll have it on there once we have the the place booked. <laughs> Find it all there. Punch into her Inside Out Health podcast. If you want to start with our awesome show, you did a great interview and so much great content on there. So keep up the good work. I'm going to really never forget this conversation. It was so valuable and I really appreciate you sharing everything. It's really pushing everybody forward into into good space, as you would say. Thank you, Brad. You're so sweet and so positive and supportive. And I, I really appreciate your energy and what you bring to the health industry. And it is really cool to be on your podcast. So thank you so much for the opportunity. I also will point out, Tara, that I succeeded in not talking about neurotyping for the entire podcast, which means that you are obligated to come and return and share some of this awesome information that you and your buddy, Christian Thibodeau, it has really uh, helped me figure out uh, the best way to be an athlete and, and guide my workouts according to my neurotype. So we'll get all into that next time. All right. Sounds good. I'll see if I can rope Christian in. Come on, Christian. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's a wrap. 
I want to tell you about wildhealth.com. They're an online provider of comprehensive precision medicine and health consultation services. They offer DNA analysis, custom lab panels, extensive medical intake form with family history and lifestyle preferences, and regular online visits with a board-certified precision medicine physician and a health coach whom you can message anytime through their convenient app. Wild Health evaluates your data to determine what you need for nutrition, exercise, sleep, and supplements, and you can experiment, consult, and retest to get everything dialed in. You'll get a cutting-edge epigenetic test of DNA methylation to calculate your all-important biological age and have fun lowering your age over time instead of following the mainstream path to accelerated aging. It's time to strive for awesome instead of just normal. Did you realize that only 6.8% of Americans are deemed metabolically healthy and only 2% are declared optimal? That's disgraceful, but you can turn things around quickly. Please visit wildhealth.com and you will see that this is the absolute gold standard of personalized medicine and it's available to you right now. Telemedicine available anywhere in the USA. Wild Health is generously extending BRAD podcast listeners 20% off the cost of membership. Just visit wildhealth.com slash Brad or use the code BRAD20 at checkout to get 20% off and start taking control of your health today at wildhealth.com slash Brad. Thank you so much for listening to the BRAD podcast. We appreciate all feedback and suggestions. Email podcast at bradventures.com and visit bradkerns.com to download five free ebooks and learn some great long cuts to a longer life, how to optimize testosterone naturally, become a dark chocolate connoisseur, and transition to a barefoot and minimalist shoe lifestyle.